In this interview, you know, you find out a little bit more about me and you learn about the perks of private practice and how, you know, one of the main focuses of my speech therapy private practice was just to have more family time and personal fulfillment. And I also go into the challenges of a speech therapy private practice and, you know, if it's even right for you starting up a clinic and starting up a business. And then we go into how to start and how to choose your name and navigating, you know, some of those legal issues and how you find clients. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to start, you got to do something, you got to get into actions. And then we just kind of talk about the next steps. And so, you know, it's just a really good, good, solid interview with Roy. Solid, sustaining, and successful. You're listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast with your host, Kyle Meads, speech and language pathologist. Listen, learn, and prosper as we share our experience and knowledge so that you can improve your business and your life one podcast at a time. Well, hello, everyone. You're listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast. This is episode number 42. My name is Kyle Meads, and I'm a speech pathologist since 1993. And these podcasts are designed to help you improve your business and your life one podcast at a time. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. Thanks again for all the emails and all the questions. And as of today, today is Tuesday, August the 14th, 2018. We have well over 36,535 listeners to the show. And I'm super happy that you guys are out there getting good, valuable, free information. And if, again, I'll say it, these podcasts are free for you. And value is what you get in the absence of money. So if you wouldn't mind, just go to the Android or iOS platform of your choice and leave some good five-star our feedback for the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast. And again, if this is your first episode, welcome, and I hope you find everything you're looking for in this private practice podcast. So I also wanted to let you know we have a space available for the perfect student, and that's where you can come to Tucson and work with me hand in hand, and I'll coach you and train you and get you credentialed with every payer known to man in your area and get you set up. But you know, a lot of people just can't leave their job. And so we also have an online community. We call it the Private SLP All Access Community. You can find more information at privateslp.com forward slash coaching. And there you can find all your options for getting more help from me. And I'll be more than happy to help you. And simply, if you just want to ask a question, reach out to me and I'll help you as much as possible. Now, today I wanted to share an interview with you. I had a great interview recently with Roy Harmon. Roy works with Fusion Web Clinic and you can find them at fusionwebclinic.com. And they're just a great group of people who offer a great clinic management software. And it's made just specific for pediatric therapy practices. And so Rory reached out to me recently and wanted to interview me. And I promised him I would do that. And you guys know me. I don't do too many interviews. But, you know, Rory was just a super kind guy. And we hit it off. And he was just asking some great questions. And in this interview... You know, you find out a little bit more about me and you learn about the perks of private practice and how, you know, one of the main focuses of my speech therapy private practice was just to have more family time and personal fulfillment. And I also go into the challenges of a speech therapy private practice. And, you know, if it's even right for you starting up a clinic and starting up a business, and then we go into how to start and how to choose your name and 
navigating, you know, some of those legal issues and how you find clients. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to start, you got to do something, you got to get into actions. And then we just kind of talk about the next steps. And so, you know, it's just a really good, good, solid interview with Roy. And so I'm going to share that with you now. And also they've got a giveaway. If you just go to www.fusionwebclinic.com forward slash private SLP, you can register there for some free giveaways that they're giving to our listeners at the speech therapy private practice startup. So let me go ahead and shut up and let's uh, listen to the interview. So thanks a lot for talking to me. I really appreciate it. What I'm really interested in is, you know, we are a pediatric therapy EMR. So the people that we serve are pediatric therapists, whether they're OTs, SLPs, PTs, and we really try to provide them with valuable information that they can use, you know, just really in every aspect of pediatric therapy. And one of the things that a lot of therapists in general, whether they're pediatric therapists or not, is, you know, eventually I think a lot of people start thinking, you know, maybe I should go out on my own. Maybe, you know, I'll start my own clinic. And, you know, you are the expert on this. So I'm really I'm looking forward to hearing some of the things that you think people need to think about before they get started. And I know that you've kind of talked about some things that people need to do before they open the doors, so to speak. Could you go into that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, nice to talk to you finally, Roy. I know we bounced some emails back and forth, and it's just finally nice to get some time where we both can talk about this stuff. This is, I think, important information for therapists who really want to start their own private practice because if you do it and you do it right, it's something that can change your life and really put you at that next level. But on the other side, if you don't do it correctly, it can destroy your finances. And again, I'm not a doom and gloomer, but if you don't do it right, it can wipe you out. I've seen people shut their clinics, cause health problems. I know of one lady, she got really sick. And I know a gentleman who just financially bankrupt from it. But starting out, it's something that you've got to plan and you've got to plan to do it right. So yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. Yep. Awesome. I guess really the simplest thing is if you're going to have a business, you got to have a name for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've always, and this is just personal preference, I like a name that can showcase my services in my community, something that'll grow with the business. Because I think what sets me apart from other people who are in this space, I teach people how to start a real business, you know, something that will take care of me, take care of employees, you know, give the government their cut every month, you know, give the state their cut every month. Everybody has something. And I teach people how to start real live clinics, not part time on the side, this and that, but, you know, real live businesses, I guess what people would say, you know, quote, headache, end quote. <laughs> how to, yeah, because that's what a real business is. It's not all peachy keen, just roses. It's very difficult at times. And I think for me, I remember I went and got some magazines and I was thinking, you know, what can I name my business and what can I name my website? Because I didn't want anything cheesy or, you know, I wanted to serve kids and adults. So I wanted a name that was kind of neutral. And I found that name and I remember looking at buzzwords in magazines. You know, this was a while back. So 
when you could actually go to a convenience store and pick out a magazine. So I picked out some of these right. magazines and looked for these buzzwords like support, you know, prosper, you know, things like that. And I finally came up with supportvoice.com. And that was for our clinic therapy group of Tucson. I remember this gentleman telling me, no, you can't do that. You know, your website's got to match your name because how are you going to rank in Google? I'm like, well, I know how to do that stuff. I, I know how to do SEO and I can do that. And this was 15 years ago. And he's like, you just can't do that. I'm like, well, we did. And, you know, your name on your website doesn't always have to match your brand. I mean, it's part of us. I mean, we started this very early on. So I just wanted to tell people, just start. That's the main thing. You don't have to sit there and overanalyze everything where you get into the whole analysis paralysis thing. Therapists are notorious for, and I can say that because I've been a therapist for 25 years, speech pathologist, you know, graduated from LSU Medical Center in New Orleans. And therapists are notorious for ideas and no implementation. So, you know, just get a domain name. Find you a good, solid name that you feel that'll work, register it, and just start and go with it. You can always change this stuff later. Well, and so then what about when it comes to getting incorporated or, you know, the more legal aspects of the business, what comes next? You know, once you get your name, you can go see a lawyer if you want, but I use paralegals. I've got my favorite paralegal here in Tucson. And she does only work here in Arizona. I throw her name out there, but I know you guys have an international base of listeners, so it really wouldn't do them any good. But I like paralegals. You know, I did the lawyer thing once, and it was a lot of money. It was a bunch of money. But you can even get online and just get incorporated. Put your name in there. Put your address that you want your articles of incorporation mailed to. You've got to get on that government website and get your tax ID number. And it's a simple process. It takes minutes. And once you have that piece of paper from the government that says, here's your tax ID, and once you have your articles of incorporation from your paralegal or your legal team, you take that information, you take it to the bank, and you can open up a separate uh, business checking account and throw some money in there and off you go. It's really that simple. And then I think the next thing would be is... You know, like for speech pathologists, you could get on the ASHA website. I think they use Mercer Insurance or something like that. They got a little deal. You can get you some general and professional liability under that business name. It's cheap. There's one of my podcast episodes where I actually talk about that. And I even put a screenshot on there of the actual amount of the cost of that insurance. But it's super cheap. And you just go with it. At that point, you've got a business, right? Absolutely. Is there sort of any other steps? I mean... You know, I know that a website is big. Is that something that you think you need right off the bat, or should you focus more on finding patients at that point? I mean, what's the process that you go through? That's a real good question. And to answer your question, or to comment on what you said, that's a business. I know people who, and I just talked about this in a recent episode, episode 41, privateslp.com in the podcast section, episode 41, some people don't even need a corporation. I mean, I wanted to start an empire. I've always wanted to say that, but I, I wanted a speech empire. People used to joke with me. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it one day. I will do it. But you don't have to have an LLC. I mean, if you want to see some people on the side, you can do that. As long as it's ethical and moral for you, you know, like if you're a school-based speech therapist and a parent hits you up and says, hey, can you 
see my kid, you know, after school today, you know, that might be a problem. You know, I don't know the whole legal ramifications, you know, for taking kids, you know, out of the school setting and seeing them privately on the side. I think that might not work. You know, we have a code of ethics at ASHA and you know, the American Speech and Hearing Association, et cetera. But if somebody, you know, off the street, their mom had a stroke and they wanted you to see him for cash, you can do that. You know, you've got a license to practice in that state. You can do that. Sure. And you can have them write that check out to you and you can put that money in your checking account and you can be what's called a sole proprietor. So you don't have to be a corporation. You know, people say there's liability and you can get sued and da, 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 da. I mean, yeah. But I, I've even made the example. I mean, I've had apartments for years in, in New Orleans. I had apartments and here in Tucson, I've got rental property and I've always operated under a sole proprietor. And I gave an example I had a water heater blow up on one of our tenants, but it was their fault. But I never got sued. You know, I did the right thing. I helped the lady out. And it's a long story. But my point is, don't be afraid to jump in. I think that's where people, they shut down. They're scared. They've got in their mind somewhere, you know, you're going to get sued for treating this patient. or You just can't do that. I had a lady recently, um, she contacted me and she wanted to know how to get paid. And she said she got a referral and she wrote the report and sent it to the doctor and the doctor signed off on it and sent it back and she says well how do I get paid I said you don't have to do all that you need to send that bill to the insurance company that's what you got to do if you want to get paid because you're not going to have a business if you don't get paid but I commended her because she started even though she's not going to get paid for that eval she is probably five steps ahead of the next person because she's doing it and then she's got more people coming in so picked up the phone, called her, and showed her how to get credentialed and bill insurance companies. So I think the main thing is just to start. And like you said, if you want to get a website, there's tons of places you can get a website these days for cheap. Even a lot of your registrar names, you can throw up websites in a matter of 30 minutes. But I think the main thing is to create relationships with those physicians, pediatricians, all those doctors, professionals in the community. Be nice, friendly, respectful, and tell them who you are. And don't be afraid to say, hey, we're accepting new patients. Get some business cards made, you know. And what would you recommend as far as that? Do you go to networking events or do you just kind of go to the doctor's office and introduce yourself? What's the best way to go about starting to build those relationships? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think going back to the example with the lady who wanted that doctor to sign off on the report so she could get paid, this day and age where, you know, the reimbursement rates are just shrinking and everybody's just so busy, you know, productivity is doubled and everybody's just go, go, go. I think the best person to introduce myself to in any doctor's office or physician's office is the referrals clerk. That person is the one responsible for sending those patients out to referral sources. So for instance, if you've got a pediatrician down the street and they're going to send somebody to your office, it's going to go through that referral clerk. The physician really doesn't have the time to stop treating patients and pick up the phone and call you. You know, that's like my son says, he's 12. He says, Dad, that's so 80s. You know, it's funny because, you know, the physician's not going to pick up the phone and go, Hey, Kyle, you know, we've got a 4.2-year-old male with a speech delay. You think you could? I mean, people still call, yeah, but they're going to send that to that referral person in their office and send it on out, and then you're going to get it on your fax, 
and then you're going to start that referral process. But I think just going out and meeting those referral clerks. But again, I don't know about you guys, but I know when people come to my office, I can spot a salesman. I mean, a mile away. They come in, they got their little suit and tie on. I know they're going to try to sell me something. And I'm a real hard sell. And <laughs> But you know, I, I like the people who don't try to sell you stuff. I like the people who come in and introduce themselves and kind of talk about, hey, it's a nice office, you know, kind of fluff it up a little bit. That's what I think is important. When you meet people, don't try to sell it. Be yourself. Be authentic and tell them what you've got to offer. Say, you know, we help kids. And by the way, we just happen to accept all these insurance plans and Medicaid plans. And I see that you guys accept these Medicaid plans, too. I know there's a waiting list across the street for six months. Why don't you send them to us? We're ready to go. And then you're talking solution because at the end of the day, that doctor, that pediatrician, those professionals, they want one thing for their patients, and that's help, and that's solution. And if you can offer that solution, you're in business. Is the referral clerk going to be right out in front, or you think that they usually hide them somewhere in the back? Yeah, they hide them. Yeah, they're busy. They're wheeling and dealing all day, getting prior authorizations and you know, checking benefits. You'll see a lot of times that referral clerks, they've got multiple hats that they wear in an office. They'll do half referrals and maybe half prior authorizations for the office they work for. Or they might be doing answering phones or, you know, shuffling papers, but they wear multiple hats in that clinic and they keep them in the back. But what you could do is, I mean, you're a father. If you were starting your own practice, when you take your child to the pediatrician, you just say, hey, by the way, you know, this is what I do. And who's your referral clerk? I mean, start with your own doctor's office or somebody that you know. It's, that's the best way to do it. And then when you go to the dentist, tell the dentist too, because they have networks in their dental community, you know, for speech therapy. My son's getting braces. I talked to the orthodontist. I mean, they're right there. Might as well take that opportunity, right? Right. And... Well, so to kind of go back a little bit, you were talking about how maybe you don't really need all the things that you think you need just to get started. Of course, you know, optimally you can, you know, have a website, you can form an LLC if that's, you know, something that you feel that you need to protect yourself. What would you say is the absolute minimum that you need just to jump in and to get started and to say that you've taken the first step? I think you need that desire to start. I mean, it's really that simple. You need a license from the state that you're practicing in. That's it. And a patient. And a patient, yeah. Because if you want to see somebody and you're not credentialed with Medicare, you know, if your next door neighbor says, hey, you know, you're sitting there cutting the grass. I mean, you guys are cutting the grass on the East Coast. We don't have any grass to cut here in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Man, it's 111 degrees yesterday. I used to cut 10 acres of grass in Louisiana. So the lady next door, you're cutting the grass, and she says, you know, my husband just had a stroke, and he just got out of the hospital, and he's got dysarthria, and he's got a speech problem. You think you could see him? And you look around your shoulder, and, you know, you're looking through the window, and through the window you see your speech therapy license. Yeah, I'll see him. Just give me, you know, give me 60 bucks. And she says, okay, here's 60 bucks. Well, go see the man. Go ahead. That's all you need. You just have to do it. And nobody's going to audit you because you're not billing insurance companies. You know, nobody's going to come knock on your door. You know, the speech therapy police are not going to come bust your door down and say, you know, you saw Mr. Jones. 
you know, your next door neighbor, you know, that's not how it works. If you want to see that patient, see them. If you have an agreement, see them. You know, at its minimum, you want some paperwork. You know, you want a release of information. You want a case history form. That's really important. And you can Google this stuff. I mean, I've got a forum. I've got a private community that I work with speech therapists like this all the time. And if you go to privateslp.com forward slash coaching, we have an all-access community. And all these forums are right there. And it's really affordable. You can just download everything, change the name to your name or business. And like, for example, demographic sheets where the patient puts their name and address. They've got a case history sheet where they actually, you know, fill out what the problem is or what they think they need to be working on. If there's insurance, if you're going to even take insurance, you can fill that section out there. And then maybe like a HIPAA privacy section there where, you you know, this is how we handle your information. You know, something just to kind of cover yourself. And if you're going to charge cash or fees, you know, just a little agreement, you know, we agree that for every hour that we spend together, I'm going to charge you 60 bucks and I'm going to take cash, credit card or check, you know, it's really that simple. And just keep some notes and get a manila folder, go to Costco and get you a pack of manila folders and off you go. I used to buy those packs of manila folders like you wouldn't believe. And I knew business was getting better because I'd get more paper, more ink and toner. And I just knew we were growing because I was spending more money. And ink and toner is the biggest scam in the world. I mean, that stuff costs more per ounce than titanium. You know, uh, it's a, toner. It's yeah, quite toner. A lot of big markup, yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. But, you know, it's really that simple. I don't know if you've ever been to, like, any private therapy sessions, you know, like counseling after Hurricane Katrina. I got really, you know, sad because of the hurricane and I remember going to this counselor for about three or four sessions. I said, I think I'm depressed. You know, she says, well, you probably are. You just went through a major hurricane. You know, you just kind of lost. I said, yeah. But I remember she just whipped out a piece of paper and she just started writing notes. And it wasn't all fancy. You know, it was a pen and a piece of paper. And she just scribbled and then shoved it in this folder when I left. And I paid her like 120 bucks and we were done. That was the agreement. So I don't think it takes that much these days to just start. But the main thing is once you start, get ready and don't quit before the miracle because if you do it right and you sell, and again, not really sell, but if you tell people solve their problems, when you can show people how you solve problems, that's being in business because people are going to be knocking your door down to get the help. They want their problem solved too. And it just goes from there. And once you kind of figure out how to do it, Triple it. That's the easiest thing to do. Just keep going because I really mean this from the bottom of my heart when I say this. I think when people start, when they really start seeing their caseloads ramp up, they got to start making decisions. You know, like, hey, do I really need to work until seven at night or eight at night? Especially in the speech therapy world, people want services after school. So some therapists will work until eight o'clock at night. But you, you got to make those decisions, but you can't make those decisions until you have that customer base. You were also talking about, you know, the office and I've seen so many people shut down in two to three years because they went out and, you know, got these fancy offices with the, the perfect paint and the big letters on the wall. You know, it says, welcome to our clinic and they're real pretty pictures of children and the beautiful waiting rooms with all that expensive furniture. And sometimes when I look at these pictures, I'll say something like, man, my therapy children at our clinic, they will destroy this waiting room. You know, I used to have books. (laughs) I used to have books and coloring books and crayons and magazines, all that stuff. It disappeared in our office. I used to have a train set. It disappeared. I couldn't even tell you where the train set went. 
people these days, you know, it's funny, but it's true. They steal my Febreze. They take my toilet paper. They steal my hand towels. They take my toys. So I don't even have that stuff in my clinic anymore. And people say, wow, you can't have stuff for children while they're waiting. Well, they don't wait too long. We keep our appointments right on time. So when people come in, they're there about five minutes before their appointment. And boom, they're in. They don't have time to sit there and play with toys. And another thing. And and, and didn't you say that when you have that much overhead, you really don't have your own business. You have your own job. Absolutely. 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 And then you're working for the bank. I don't know about you, but I don't like working for anybody else but myself. And I don't want to work for the bank. And that's why I just don't want to do the bank loan thing. There's no way it's going to work because you're just making payments. It's like credit card payments. I remember early on, I needed a little bit of a loan to get started. And not really to get started, but just kind of have a little cushion. Because if you don't mind me talking about this. um, Not at all. I, I saved up about 8000 bucks from when I was working in the nursing homes. I had about three jobs at one time. I was ready to make that move, and I had about eight grand in my pocket. I'm like, I hope this is enough. But I also had about 25 to 30 patients on the other side waiting for me, too. So I, had, I was doing all these math calculations, but I just wanted about ten grand, you know, because I'd already spent that money. But nobody would give me a loan. Even though I had perfect credit, I had this new business and I couldn't get a loan. And finally, I was able to get just a personal line of credit. You know, those little overdraft line of credits that you get, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the bankers, and I still tell her about this story today, you know, she gave me a $10,000 line of credit. And I would jack it up and pay it off and jack it up and pay it off. But I use that little $10,000 buffer to start. And now we see thousands of people a month. We have over 35 employees and I haven't used that line of credit in a long time, but it's still there. I have a significant line of credit that I've asked for and had on hand if I ever need it, but I've had that now for four years and never touched it. But it's nice to have when you need it, but you definitely don't want to get into that rat race of borrowing money and like credit cards, you know. I mean, what's the point? You know that your thirty dollar meals ended up costing you sixty bucks when you're all said and done. You know, four months later. There's a lot of benefits to having your own business, to running your own clinic. What would you say are the best parts about it? The things that you love the most and that make you really happy that you did this. And then, what would you say are the toughest times, the biggest challenges, and the things that Maybe if people don't think they can handle it, then maybe that's a sign that they're not ready for this. That's a real good question. Um, I think the thing that I like the most, I wanted time with my kid. When I started this business, I just wanted more family time. I used to get resentments against these big nursing home companies. and When I was working, I was the one who had to go in on 4th of July or Christmas Eve You know, it's like everybody's barbecuing or having a good time, family time, and here I am going to work. You know, I was making good money, but I was trading my time for money. I didn't know any better at the time. I was a good provider, but I wanted more time. And here Uh it is, like, as soon as I get finished with this call, I'm going to pack, and we're going off on a Disney cruise here. We're leaving today and flying from Tucson to Phoenix, from Phoenix to Orlando. We're going to catch a Disney cruise, and we'll be back on Monday. It's something. Oh, like, that's cool. Oh, yeah. It's family time. I get to spend with my son and his best friend's going and his best friend's mom. She's the paralegal I was talking about. We're always talking about businesses, and so it's a business trip, right? That's what I like about this, <laughs> you know. But the time, it costs money to have this kind of time 
it costs. And the second thing, I really enjoy seeing these kids and families get the services that they need. That's the first thing, really, is just watching these kids get the services they need. Because in our clinic, we take all the payers, we take all the Medicaid plans, we take all income levels. You know, everybody gets the same treatment. That's what I really like. And it's funny because people say, you know, they'll see me out in the lobby and I'm cleaning up and picking up and you know, some mom will say, hey, you know how long you've been working here? I'm like, oh, about 11 years. And they don't have no idea that I'm the owner. And I've heard other people kind of talk negatively about this. But, you know, I'm the one who will go into the bathroom three or four times during the day and make sure there's no poopy diapers in there, you know, or I'm cleaning up the bathrooms and putting common in the toilets and making sure my bathrooms are clean, you know, that we have toilet paper that somebody didn't steal it or the chairs are straight or the trash is picked up in the parking lot. You know, I'm a worker among workers. I just don't treat patients all that much these days. And that's what I wanted to do early on, you know, make sure that kids get their services. I didn't want to treat them. I wanted to provide jobs. And so that's another thing. I like seeing the employees make a really good living. They all have free health care now, free vision, free dental insurance, 401k and retirement and time off. I mean, it's a real good place to work and all these great benefits. And for me, offering all that, you know, the employees get the work and the patients get the help and everybody's relatively happy. But that costs, that costs a lot of money. But it's my responsibility to make sure this thing rolls. And to answer that other part of your question, if you have trouble with money or you have trouble relating to people, you know, if you're not one of those people who can't handle conversations about money or, you know, if you're real defensive and you tend to chew people out, this might not be for you because people don't want to be treated like that these days. You know, you've got to be able to treat people with respect and be, like I said, a worker among workers. You can't be like the rich business owner at the beach all the time. You know, that that's not going to fly. If there's a cancellation, I'll jump in and see a kid. I've done it before and I'll do it again. Or if there's a plumbing problem, I'm the one out there, you know, doing this stuff. My dad was a plumber growing up. I grew up on plumbing trucks. I know how to work. I change light bulbs. I'm on the roof changing sodium halogen lights for the parking lot, making sure people are safe at night. So you just got to have that can-do attitude. But you have to be nice and respectful about it. And if you can't do that, it just may not work for you. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean... It's very rewarding, it sounds like, because you create jobs, you're able to provide a great service for all these patients, and you know, if you do it right, you're able to have that additional time with your family or be able to spend your time the way you want to, but it sounds like what comes with that is a lot of responsibility because you're responsible for all of those people's jobs. You're responsible to still provide for yourself and your family and to keep that level of care really high, so you know, you got to jump in and see patients. Really, it sounds like you have to be ready to do anything and wear a lot of hats, which, you know, I, I think that's kind of a pretty good picture of an entrepreneur in general, isn't it? Yeah, you just said it. And I remember growing up, my mom told me what that word was, and I didn't even know how to spell it. But I knew I was one. And I always wanted to pave my own way. And it was scary at first. I mean, very scary, real scary. But, you know, I managed my money well. I got great credit. I'm a good person. I genuinely care about others. And I really want people to get the help that they need. And I just don't accept no for an answer. 
No is not in my vocabulary. That's one thing that I can honestly say. If the government shut down tomorrow, we'd still be in business. I could float this thing for months. And that's the thing. That's what sets me apart from other private practice owners. I don't need a bank. I am the bank. And it's taken 11 years to become the bank. But with that level comes responsibility. And if you're responsible, it's going to take real good care of you. But if you're not responsible... You'll be down for the count in a matter of no time. And I've seen it so many times. People are freaking out, getting payday loans to pay their employees. I mean, can you imagine? If you think about it, I mean, you know, you've got money. You can buy a house, but it's not a home, you know, or you can buy a bed, but it's not a good night's sleep. Money can buy you a lot of stuff, but that other stuff, you know, that good night's sleep comes from inside and being able to sleep at night. And I think part of that's the financial responsibility and being an honest, loyal person. So if you Definitely. have problems with that stuff, I don't think private practice would be for you. Because, I mean, just don't waste your time. It's not worth it. And there's nothing wrong with working for other people. There is nothing wrong. I enjoyed some of the places that I worked at. I mean, I got paid great. You know, when I left, I was done. I didn't have to think about running. I mean, we're running payroll here in a little bit. And that's one of these things I've got to do. I've run payroll from foreign countries, you know, at three in the morning or two in the morning, but it gets done because like you said, what you said, Roy, was so true. People were relying on that paycheck and those benefits, like the apartments. I was talking to one of my tenants the other day. He's always late on his rent. And I said, man, you need to step it up. And I was real respectful about it, but it's like, you know, what if I just decided not to pay the water bill? He's like, well, that wouldn't be good. Exactly. So what makes you think you can just you know, wait and pay me my rent two days later. It's like, I'm not being mean about it. It's just, it's business. That's another thing with therapists. I think we've got to have that confidence to say, this is what I'm worth. I need you to pay your bill. So if not, we're going to send you collections. There's nothing wrong with having that conversation because it's part of what we do. And if we can't pay the bills, nobody gets anything. You know, the kids won't get their help. The employees won't get their wages. Nobody will have anything. We'll just shut it down. And that's no good for anybody, right? Right. You got to keep the boat afloat. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I think this is really valuable information. And so, again, you know, over at Fusion Web Clinic, we're the only EMR that's designed specifically for pediatric therapists. And so we're going to, you know, write this up as a blog post. And we'd also love to offer, you know, anybody listening to this, we have some boxes of pediatric therapy activities and some other fun things in there. So if anybody wants to sign up to be eligible to win one of these boxes, they can go to fusionwebclinic.com slash private SLP, and they can do that there. Oh, that's great. I might just go sign up. And yeah, if anybody needs some help on the speech therapy private practice side, you can always reach me at privateslp.com. Like I said earlier, I've got an all-access community where it's a private coaching forum. I don't do Facebook groups and things like that. This is all private. And if you need something, you can just find me there. Have a great vacation, Kyle. Thanks. Roy, thanks for everything, man. Thank you for listening to the Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup Podcast. For more information on Speech Therapy Private Practice Startup or to stay connected with Kyle, please visit privateslp.com.